0: following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. College Football Week 3 Edition.
1: We've got the Wise Guy Roundtable, Brad Powers, Ken Thompson. I'm RJ Bell. And what a week, guys! We're going to go over all of the biggest games. And we got some fun buckets that we're putting the games in. We've got our disagreements, both with the AP poll and Ken disagreeing with Brad on a power rating. We've got two big trend games where there's a big eye popping trend associated with the game. We've got one crossfire, Ken on one side, Brad on the other. We've got two, no, actually three this week, three double leans, both of them on the exact same side, and then one best bet from each. Who dog, let's get straight to it. We're going to go with our popular disagreement. This is one where UCLA is the team. They're playing Memphis. Right now, UCLA Favored by three UCLA though in the AP poll number twenty-five. Brad, you've got UCLA number thirty-one in my power ratings. So you've got UCLA, you think they're overrated by AP. Make the case.
2: Yeah, first let me say I don't think they're necessarily overrated in this game. Uh their opponent, Memphis, I think, is also overrated. But as far as UCLA and why I think they're overrated, I think a lot of publicity has been made. About the comeback against Texas A and M, if Texas A and M runs it into the line a few times instead of throwing the football in the fourth quarter, that's a bad loss for UCLA in Week One. And number two factor for me is the rush defense, second to last in the country, giving up three hundred and thirty rush yards per game. They got a banged up defense. They got you know bulldozed by Texas A and M, and then the big thing last week against a white team that doesn't isn't known as a power rush team, give up nearly three hundred rushing yards to Hawaii. I am not buying UCLA right now.
1: Okay, but in this game, and and this is a fascinating teaching moment, in this game, you actually lean, a small lean, towards UCLA. So here's the logic. The beginning of any handicap is power ratings. Brad puts those up, up at pregame.com for free every week, early in the week. You do the simple math, account for home field. You've got your baseline, your beginning of the handicap. But then there's other factors, travel, trends, matchups. And in this case, UCLA being a team that you generally think is overrated. The other factors are so significant in the matchup against Memphis that you actually lean towards UCLA. So quickly, Brad, give me the other factors that push you in that direction.
2: Well, number one, it's the opponent, Memphis. The fact that they've only played one game so far this season. They had a game that was canceled last week because of the hurricane. And that's a negative early in the year. I think it's a very very much a negative early in the year, especially with a team dealing with some injuries. And also, the data point that I do have on them on the season was played in the remnants of Hurricane Harvey. Not a good look. They're a four-touchdown favorite against Louisiana Monroe. They only win the game by eight it's more I don't have enough information to say, hey, I want to buy Memphis plus the points in this game. So that's why I'm leaning with the Bruins. Although I'll be looking to fade the Bruins later on in the season. All right, Ken, what's your number one factor in this game?
3: Well, number one factor is just the opposite. In Memphis, yes, they had their game canceled against Central Florida, but that gives them two weeks to focus in on UCLA. In other words, they're able to watch the UCLA-Hawaii game. They know right there this is the team they're going to be playing for. They're going to prepare. While UCLA is in the uh, the ice tubs, what is Memphis doing? They're all ready. They're ready to go. They're fresh. They're ready to roll. they got a home game coming, and they're going to take on UCLA. I think it's a major advantage for Memphis
1: great example where handicapping is art and science we all agree with the facts but how you interpret those how you handicap those so ken i'm not a college guy so to some degree i'll play devil's advocate but my gut feeling is to say the following early in a year i want some
3: games late in the year i want the rest do you generally agree with that? To, to a point. But here's a problem. If it was Memphis going on the road to UCLA, that's one thing. But because they were able to stay home, be in their own beds mm. and practice, go through everything, their situation. Like so exactly. it's a bye week. An early bye. And
1: now did the weather was. Uh, so where where was Memphis game supposed to be?
2: Uh, last week Central at Central Florida. Florida. Now, okay. it was canceled during the week. It's not like it was, so a week was an early. Advance. OK. Yeah. But so they was, didn't have to travel. Yes.
1: But they were preparing beginning of the week. Yes. Mm. Okay, interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. So, Ken, you've got
3: a, a small lean towards Memphis. Yeah, they've got Ferguson back. They didn't play sharp offensively in their opener, but that crowd will get after it. They'll be there, and Josh Rosen will be under pressure. And like Brad said, look, they're having trouble stopping the run. That's what Memphis is going to try and do, shove the ball down their throat, mix things up, balance offense. And then defensively, they are missing one of their uh, better linebackers, Jackson Dillon, now out for the year. But still, uh, I think they're good enough to pressure Rosen. And until UCLA proves to me that they can run the ball consistently, especially on the road, this is a go-against for me.
1: Really good stuff. We're starting off hot. Next game, we've got a disagreement between Ken and Brad, and this is on the Oregon team. So, Brad, where do you have Oregon? I have them number 20 in the country. And you think, Ken, that Oregon – by Brad's assessment, is
3: what? Overrated, underrated? Overrated. I I just think that, you know, the offensively, it's what we expect from Oregon. Go up and down the field wide open. And then in the second half against Nebraska, they showed basically... You know, if you have film on them and if you've played them, you can make adjustments, you can slow them down. First time they've been shut out, second half at Autzen Stadium in a long time. But that's Nebraska doing that, and that's not a great Nebraska defense. A lot of speed mismatches for Oregon, yet they still couldn't score in the second half, and that game nearly got away. The cover did. People that bet Oregon, highly disappointed, blowing a 28-point lead, winning by seven. Okay, now here's
1: another example, though, where you think the starting point has Oregon overrated, but you actually have a small lean towards Oregon. So what is it about
3: this matchup? And Oregon is 13 and a half. Against Wyoming. Okay, there's one factor. First off, uh, Oregon Taggart has taken his team to Northern California to a very high altitude to get acclimated for Laramie, Wyoming. That's one thing that so you I looked like, into. You like that he's acknowledging the, the, the reality a, of, of uh, that altitude. altitude. Exactly, and that's a major advantage for Wyoming. But outside what, what of. What percentage of teams playing in, in Laramie do that, would you say? Uh, not many. I mean, there's several that are from altitude places in the mountain West that it's not that uh, big a deal. But for ones like San Diego state, say for example, maybe it's something that they would look into doing if they can get the facilities or the area to go and practice and get ready for a game, especially and, if it's a big game.
1: And I would also say this, when you're laying 13 and a half on the road, you're a clearly better team. No doubt. So one of the reasons that like the dog is going to be lack of motivation, but If you are going and staying somewhere, especially to get acclimated, you're going to it's almost like a training camp. It's like when sometimes teams go out west and they spend a week out west and NFL teams do this sometimes, too. Like Harbaugh did when 49ers would go east, he'd stay, I think, in the Youngstown area. You know, the team's ready to go. So if you have a motivated favorite. I tend to agree
2: with you there, Brad. Where uh, where are you leaning on this game? Uh, I'm leaning with Oregon, and I think last week's blown big lead keeps them motivated in the second half to keep the the foot on the gas pedal on Wyoming. I I so let- it's like a cautionary tale.
1: Like the coach, they're gonna if they do get up twenty one twenty four, the coach is gonna be.
2: We got to keep this baby. Got to keep this baby. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not as concerned as Ken because I'm watching that second half, they had a, they were stopped on downs a couple of times, missed a field goal. It's not like they all of a sudden, the offense went away completely in the second half, just they're a couple plays away from putting an extra 10 points on the board.
3: Yeah, and my thing, RJ, is that it's Wyoming that's vastly overrated. I mean, Josh Allen, yes, he's a good, solid quarterback, but when you lose a running back that put up 1,700 yards and 18 touchdowns and you lose your two senior receivers in Gentry and Marquardt, he's got nobody right now that he's got any type of chemistry with after this first, uh, you know, couple of games, I think Wyoming's in a lot of trouble. As good as Josh Allen is, we're finding out that he's not as good without a solid cast of characters around him. I tell you, maybe we should just quit. How long
1: are we into this podcast? Because this has been so good so far. Just, just maybe, just keep perfection. I mean, we're about nine minutes. To, should we keep going?
2: Yeah, yeah we might I would well. hope so. We, we can, yeah. keep, we can keep this up. Oh, we'll try our damnness. <laughs> All right.
1: Good stuff, though. And and remember, guys, this actually were small leans for both of these games. We're going to have three games coming up that are double leans, that are clear double leans, where they're both not just small leans, but clear leans on the same side. Now, though, transitioning into our two big trend games. First one, Tennessee, Florida. Florida favored by five, and Florida has won straight up 11 of 12 against Tennessee. Tennessee was the uh, last year. Their victory was the one that broke this streak. So it was 11 in a row. Tennessee won. It's now 11 of 12. So you could perceive revenge. Brad, you actually have a video on this. And we do videos every week. Brad and Fezzik. You can go to pregame.com, see those videos. Or go to YouTube and simply search pregame. TV, all one word, pregame TV. That's the channel name. Get a bunch of free pick videos. And you guys know Fezzik from the Dream Preview NFL edition. And that will be up on Thursday morning right here on Podcast One. What's your thoughts? Let's stay on the side, though. They can check the videos out for the total. What's your thoughts on the side here, Florida, Tennessee?
2: Again, it's about data points this time of year. And with all the hurricanes going on, Florida's played one game without 10 suspended players, was a horrible look, dominated uh, bigger than the final against Michigan. They've had a week off since then. Maybe Ken's going to maybe say it's an advantage because they've been sitting at home. But maybe it's a distraction because, obviously, you're worried about your family, the preparations of a hurricane. How busy were they focusing on this game for the last week? I say they haven't been that focused. So we're recording on Tuesday.
1: I mean, am I correct that – and I'm certain I am. Florida's still pretty much evacuated.
2: Yeah, they just f- officially announced as we're uh, do- taping this today, this morning, that this game is going to be on. I mean, there was questions until this morning that th- whether or not this game is going to be played. So uh, if they're wonder- wondering whether or not the game is going to be played, I got to think these players got a lot of distractions outside the game of football.
1: I mean, the, when are they even going to go back to Florida? I mean, yeah. Thursday, Friday?
2: Oh, they they have to be on campus. No, they're there. Guys. I mean, Gainesville yeah.
3: is not Miami or Tampa. Are they there now?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so they, they were So
1: they weren't so they weren't evacuated. No. No. Some schools were though, where they haven't practiced for like a week. Okay, interesting. All right. So you are going then with a lean to Tennessee, a small lean towards Tennessee.
2: Yeah, and the reason being is Florida's still going to be without that. it looks like their two main guys the running back, Scarlett, the wide receiver, Callaway. Still going to have issues uh, as far as the quarterback spot goes. And at least I saw something from Tennessee in week one. You know, they're down uh, up against the ropes against Georgia Tech. I thought I saw a lot of fight in Tennessee being able to come from behind and win that game outright.
3: Ken. Ken. All right, first off, dorminy I I doubt he's going to be able to feel the pressure in the swamp. I think he's going to get crushed. He played on a neutral field. They were very fortunate to come back and win that game. Georgia Tech went up and down the field over 400-some-odd yards rushing. I mean, they two fumbles cost them the game in a game they dominated. Now Florida, they've played already without Scarlett, without Callaway. They played Michigan on a neutral field. You have that extra week. So P. Ryan, the running back, and uh, the three quarterbacks, they're trying to get some chemistry on the same page. I think Florida's defense is the difference. I think they basically shut down Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee gets more than 10 points in this game. And I think Florida will be able to figure out not only how to score offensively, but probably duplicate what they did to Michigan. And that's put up a couple scores defensively. They do that. The Swamp's going to be rocking. Tennessee's going to go down. Butch Jones, very fortunate to still have a job. I tell you, is, I love when
1: you guys disagree because, one, you're a little more energized, right? You're You're, you're defending your turf. And it lets the listeners, it lets you out there decide for yourself what factors matter. But here's the lesson, guys. Most lines, most spreads are correct, meaning this game is minus five right now. Brad, you think it should be four and a half, right? Yep. And Ken, you think it should be five and a half. There you go. And it doesn't matter if it's four and a half or five and a half because laying 110, you need more than a half a point. And that's why... Doesn't mean you can't have your own handicap that really thinks, no, this line should be seven or this line should be three and a half or or even three. Great. Consider these factors. But no, when we have only small liens or especially disagreements, it's a sign the line is probably pretty close
3: to correct RJ, there's another factor as far as me taking Florida. Florida owns two so, teams. So he's adamant because it is a disagreement. Yeah. He's coming but, in with them. But, but Florida owns two teams in the SEC. They own Georgia in that cocktail party, and they've won 11 of the last 12 games against Tennessee.
1: Now, the question is is that an advantage? Or is that something that motivates Tennessee? No, because that
3: one loss was last year in Knoxville. I agree. Now with you're that. coming to Gainesville. Revenge. Yep, going down. Revenge,
2: but I also could say this was something that was hanging over Tennessee for 11 years. They couldn't get over the hump. They blew games late. were the better team in a lot of years. So now they're going to be relaxed. And now the streak's over. Now we just go in and play a football game. Oh, I love it. It's, it's not all
1: science. There's little art. Our second of two trend games, we've got USC-Texas. Right now, Texas is a 15.5-point underdog, and it's the biggest out-of-conference underdog for Texas since 1989. 1989. Good trend from Brad. By the way, he puts out really good trends. Those are up a pregame, but also on his Twitter, at Brad Powers 7. All one word, the number 7. Brad, what's your handicap?
2: Well, I'll tell you, if we get the USC duplicating a performance like they had last week against Stanford, there's maybe three or four teams in the country that can hang with them. And from what I've seen from Texas so far, one really bad look and one decent look against San Jose State. If I'm getting a USC rushing game that's running for over 300 yards, the most ever allowed by a Stanford team under David Shaw, and I got Sam Darnold completing his first 10 passes of the game, I'm worried if I'm a Texas guy, especially the defense there you know at the current line i got a small lean on the trojans small lean usc from Brad Kent.
3: Yeah, me too. I mean, Ronald Jones, I knew was going to have a good solid year if he stayed healthy, but I didn't know Stephen Carr was as good as he is, and that gives USC a one-two tandem that takes so much pressure off Sam Darnold, and then uh, Deontay Burnett really stepped up as the main receiver, and Stephen Mitchell Jr. as well. So you have two solid receivers, two solid running backs, a quarterback that was highly touted as the Heisman favorite up until Lamar Jackson got rolling. SC, to me, their defensive line has never played a second half like they did against Stanford. They held the Cardinal to seven points, shut them out in the third quarter, and after giving up a 75-yard run to Bryce Love to start the game, that's as good and I've watched SC for 45 years, that's as well as I've seen SC adjust, and uh, Clay Helton's got this team on the right page right now. And this is something we talk about often, which is
1: if you are fans, a fan of a team, and you can keep it objective, it's a big advantage, because you follow, you know, I bet you watch the spring game, you're reading the local or the uh, campus newspaper, and that gives you insight into USC. Now, you tend to do that with a lot of teams, Ken, so Well,
3: I, I, and I know a lot of the play-by-play guys. And when there's guys that are questionable, I'll text to find out if they're going or what. And, and that, that's a big advantage for me because I can do that. You know what I mean? And so I use that to my advantage. Okay. So you guys both with small liens, remember, our, our distinction here, small
1: liens or clear liens, Two small liens, USC. Okay. Next up, ooh, crossfire time. This is the game. That you guys disagree with the most of all the games. And looking at it, hmm, which game is our Crossfire?
2: Oh, it's gonna be Clemson Louisville, one of the games. Of, of okay, the, that's exactly.
1: Oh, I was looking forward to that. I just have disagreement written. I maybe should have just written Crossfire, would have been better. You know, the old James, remember James Carvo? Remember that old Crossfire on CNN, Brad? No. Now, you were watching games. Yes. You were watching Fox Sports West or something. Yeah. All right. We've got – I'm going to let Ken – Ken showed a little more vigor last time. And and then Brad came back and tried to match it, but he really didn't. So I'm going to – and that will be the way I'll decide who gets to go first on the crossfires, who shows the most vigor leading up to it. That's going to be a new weekly tradition. So we've got Clemson-Louisville. Right now, Clemson is favored by three
3: – Minus 115, so it's a little more than three. Go, Ken! All right, Papa John Stadium, first off. That place will be rocking and rolling. Clemson, outstanding defense. 11 sacks last week on a very vanilla Auburn offense. That was shorthanded with one of the running backs out, but they did a great job. But Clemson, Clemson offensively, only 2.9 yards rushing at home against an Auburn defense that I don't know how good they are. I know they've got athletes. I know they lost Lawson and some other players from last year. So, again, I saw lack of offense from Clemson, extreme lack of offense, and very fortunate to hold on and get that win against Auburn. Now you're going to go and take on Lamar Jackson, who, again, he lost a lot of cast of characters that moved on, but still this guy makes plays. He creates plays. He's the Heisman favorite right now at a plus 180, which he's zoomed past Arnold and anybody else in his way, and does he want to lose that lead? Well, he's not really focused. He wants to win this game. They want to take out Clemson. They know if they do that, they're going to be in the national title hunt. Petrina at home the home field advantage there's a lot to environments in games and this Clemson team is a young team and I don't think Brian's going to be able to handle it he was banged up last week I have a feeling Clemson's going to struggle to score unless they duplicate on Lamar Jackson what they did to Stidham in Auburn Clemson's going to lose this game outright
1: I don't understand how you guys do this with no notes like a couple about 10 minutes ago, I actually saw Ken glance down. I was like, wow, he actually had to glance down to get a name. But he just rattled that off. Guy, We're going to start taping these on video. And maybe even we'll see about doing like a, uh, you know, a Facebook Live type, you know, stream. And you are going to be blown away that these guys rattle this stuff off without any notes. And Brad's the exact same with that. Amazing. All right, here's what we're going to do on the Crossfire, Brad. I'm going to let you first respond to what you think his most vulnerable point was. He rattled off a bunch of points. What do you disagree with the most that he said?
2: Clemson not being able to score. When I watched Purdue and North Carolina, two teams with far less athletes, maybe they're not experienced athletes, but Clemson's got far better players than those two teams, and those two teams had no problem whatsoever scoring against Louisville. So I, that, that's not the concern for me. What do you say to that?
3: I just say, look at the quarterback situation. You got Blau, a kid that could throw for Purdue. I mean, you've got a quarterback right now. Throw
2: interceptions, 21 last year, led the country. I'm talking about this year. I'm All
3: talking right. about in that game, okay, because he's, he's – He threw three to, in and, that and, game, and, and, otherwise they'd scored more. And, and he's got a better coach in Jeff right. Brahma an offensive, innovative mind. Uh I I just think that, you know, Papa Papa John Stadium for me and, and Lamar Jackson, those are just those are so big, as great as Clemson's defense is, and again, we're looking at their defense and and Hunter Renfro is really their only offensive weapon that scares me because he's an Edelman clone. That's really the only guy I think that can pump some offense into that team.
1: Okay, Brad. So you're gonna give your presentation and Ken's gonna get to cherry pick one thing that he wants to really dig in on. But first I got a question. So Clemson has exceeded expectation. I mean, the narrative entering the season was this team's number three or four or five on the popularity polls, AP or coaches. But they were like 38 to one to win the title at one point.
2: Yeah, it missed, uh, I think, uh, misconception there on Vegas. Missed the boat on that one where the, the AP polls were actually probably more correct.
1: Yeah. So... What I'm saying, though, is the narrative has changed. It's like, wow, look, and you've been talking about it on our Fox National show, and this is a good time to mention that. So Friday night, Fox National, 330 stations nationwide, Sirius 83. Also, the iHeart app is 11 to 12 Pacific, so 11 to midnight Pacific time, Friday night. Saturday day, we need an extra hour, so it's 10 to midnight First hour recapping college football with Brad, Saturday's action. And then Fezzik comes in for a preview of the NFL. Great stuff and great response so far on that show. And I think we're each week it's getting better and better. I thought the Friday show was one of the best hours of radio I've heard in a long time. And Brad led the way with that. We've been talking, though. Boy, doesn't it look like Clemson has a good chance to win the conference? Florida State quarterback hurt. Florida State took that tough loss and uh you know against Alabama and in, in the physical side of that so what was here's my point the narrative has changed what was the line on Clemson Louisville so right now it's minus 3 minus 115 entering the season let's say the game of the year lines
2: pick it was a pickem
1: all right so what we're saying is based on what we've seen this year Clemson is 3 plus points cuz they are minus 115 minus 3 better than the expectation was entering the year though Louisville How would you say Louisville, Ken, has done relative to expectation? I would say that they're right where they need
3: to be. So right there. Yeah, because Lamar Jackson, he's played a couple teams. Look, their defense needs work. They needed to gain chemistry, and he needs to find more weapons. But what he has that these other guys that have lost weapons, like a Josh Allen for Wyoming, Josh Allen can't make the plays that Lamar Jackson can make by himself running the ball. He, you know, he accumulated 585 yards offense himself last week. I mean, that's the way this guy is. He's that good. That's why he won the Heisman Trophy, and you an Ohio State guy, the first guy since Archie Griffin that has a chance to do a back-to-back years. This team is legit, and Clemson has played Kent State and Auburn, and I'm not sold on either one of those offenses. So, again, we look, oh, Clemson's doing all that. Kent State, for the love of God, I could grab six guys from the gym and beat them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I like the passion. All right, Brad, so you're going to give your presentation, but first, do you feel like that Clemson, well, let's just be objective. Have they... Increased by three points in your power
2: rate. To me, it's uh, Clemson up two, Louisville down one. So you do have Louisville down. So you think the adjustment's correct? Make your case. Well, the case that I'm going to make is, outside of Lamar Jackson, I would argue that next 10, 12 best players on the field are all wearing the Clemson colors. I mean, uh, on offense, Hunter Renfro. I even like a couple what of What would run- the line be if Lamar Jackson's out? Oh, um, it- uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson t- might be a guy that's a 10 point guy. He's similar to Andrew Luck. He's everything that Louisville has. And if he has I agree with that. If he's just off a little bit. And I was watching that game closely last week against North Carolina. He put up the yards, but a lot of those passes weren't 100% accurate. Guys had to make uh, catches behind their backs, but they're wide open. So they ended up being touchdowns. My guess and anticipation is they will not be open and there won't be those large throwing windows like he's had the first two games and any sort of inaccurate passes that he make instead of an incompletion or, or a great catch. Maybe it's an interception going the other way. So I, I like Clem. I think Clemson's defense by far is the best unit on the field. And I like the pedigree of dabble Sweeney in these big games. I think he's proven it the last five, six years, there's no bigger, better well, I mean, bigger let's, game let's, coach than Sweeney. Let's give those bowl stats for Sweeney. Cause these are eye popping seven and zero against the spread six and one straight up. All as an underdog, two games against Saban, two games against Urban Meyer, two games against Bob Stoops, and the other one against Les Miles. All national title coaches.
3: All with Deshaun Watson. That's great.
2: (laughs) Oh, Taj Boyd. I mean, you got to give credit for recruiting.
3: Show me that Kelly Bryant can throw the freaking football.
2: Well, we'll find out against a very very weak Louisville defense because if he plays like he did last week, they're going to lose.
1: All
3: coaches
1: lose players. Watson, a key loss, obviously, but seven times Vegas saying. You are supposed to lose and six times winning in the, at the highest level? He's, a, he's an outstanding coach. Outstanding All right, so coach. the rebuttal. So you get a chance to pick one thing he said that you most disagree with.
3: Uh, I'm trying to – I mean, Clemson's defensive unit – Again, he's saying they're by far the best unit that's going to be out there. I think Louisville's offense is going so to be... So that's to, the question, uh, yeah, right? no, no, That's Yeah, the, that's the whole thing. It's, it comes down to that, and that's the cap. Is Lamar Jackson good enough to move the ball because he's a dual threat that Stidham is not or Kent State's quarterback is not? So now all of a sudden, as good as Clemson's defense is, and they lost a lot of guys too, again, how good are they against a guy that can innovate and make plays with his legs and maybe not the most accurate passer, but good enough... To where if they overcommit, he'll burn them. Okay. So every week I'm going to make –
1: because here's the thing. I'm coming in as a novice in college football. I mean, listen, I know more than 99% of people, but this is about 5'9". I said this recently on national radio. I said, if you can make a living betting sports, you have a rarer talent than Michael Jordan. Or, no, I said a rarer talent than an NBA player. Michael Jordan is like the Billy Walters, let's say. So, but think about that: how many people want to be NBA players? How many make it? How many people want to be professional batters? It's about that m- number that make it. So, I'm not a professional batter level in college football. I'm not even close. But I am going to be the judge on the crossfire now. But here's the question, though: Do I judge who gave the better presentation? Or do I judge who I like in the game? It's your
2: show, RJ. You do whatever the heck you want. I
1: know. I was asking rhetorically. I was asking rhetorically. (laughs) You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on who convinced me, which, in a way, since I'm going to be coming in probably pretty neutral, I'm going to be convinced. And I'm going with Clemson, Brad and Clemson. Here's why I hate football sexy. And I think Lamar Jackson's the most fo- – now, what's football sexy? Football sexy is ESPN highlights, that kind of stuff. And the Heisman, how do you get more pedigree than that? It feels like this line maybe should be a little higher. So I'm going to go with Brad. I'll tell you this, though, is I feel like that Clemson winning the way they have, don't you think there's a sense, a momentum in that locker room that, hey, we could, you know, we could be back in the playoffs?
2: I would say with And entering
1: the season, they probably had some some self-doubt.
2: Yeah, I think finding a leader at quarterback, I think a big lift was him being possibly knocked out of that game, comes right back in the huddle, they were struggling offensively until then, and then they finally got a couple drives together.
3: Here is the thing, RJ: yeah. To a man, when you are playing at Louisville and you see a guy that's won the biggest award in college football coming back, that shows his dedication to that university. But he that wasn't they even to take allowed it, to leave, was he? They want no. to take it, in a, right, but they want to take it. They he want was to take, forced it, to come they, back. But I am saying, they, <laughs> right? But but they want to take it a step further, and and this but guy he does give optimism. I agree. If you and have and the best he, player and football, he's already elevated himself to the top Heisman guy, he's blown by Darnold. He's a plus one. He's that's the right. next closest guy, plus, yeah, plus 180. 180. And
1: nobody really? else is, is better yeah, than 5-1. to Surprisingly, one. what was the best number you could have gotten on Lamar Jackson
2: in the offseason to win the Heisman? He actually dropped, started 7-1 to one and maybe dropped to like 10-1 to one or 12-1 to one to win it there's
1: what, 13 or 14 returning Heismans? I know it's one that's, that yes. Archie doubled up, and it was 13 or
2: 14 that didn't do it? Yes, I think 13 out of 14 did not win the Heisman.
1: Good stuff on the Crossfire, guys. Really good. That's going to be every week. Okay. So we're going to have some double leans coming up. We're going to have best bets coming up. Now we've got three games that you might not see right off the bat are super compelling. But for whatever reason, they've been bet a lot. And I think I know the reason in each case. And we can talk about it. But you can actually go to pregame.com. Go to Game Center. It's free. And you can go to the consensus tab and see the number of bets made on this at one of the big, big paper head shops that's across the country. So there's hundreds of bets on uh, the big games come game day. And you can stack by biggest bet, both by cash, and very few people have that. In fact, I don't think anyone has it for free except for pregame.com. And then ticket count. So these are games all in the top 10 or so of ticket count for whatever reason. And we're going to go through them first off. And we have agreement on this game, LSU, Mississippi state right now, LSU is favored by seven.
2: Yeah, I'm leaning with LSU. I think this is an ascending program right now. They won their uh, first game against BYU, starting four true freshmen on defense. They hold BYU under 100 total yards. They have a new offensive coordinator. They've had some issues scoring in the red zone like they've had in the past, but I expect a lot of that to get cleared up. And they got a couple of key guys coming back from injury. The reason why those freshmen are starting in the opener, guys like Arden Key, one of the best players in all of college football, has been out the last couple games. They get a guy like that back. And on the flip side, Mississippi State off a very, misleading blowout win against Louisiana Tech last week. That gives us a little bit of hidden value. Give me the Tigers minus the points.
3: Small lean from Brad. And, Ken, you actually have a stronger lean on this one. Yeah, I think this LSU defense is just getting going. And I think, you know, it's real tough to go from playing BYU when you get moved. Now, fortunately for them, it got moved to the Superdome in their state. Uh, but then, so so really, you know, just kind of moving around, set to go to Houston instead, uh, end up there in, in New Orleans. And then you play an FCS opponent. How do you get up for that? They blew them out in the second half. They got off to a slow start, took care of business, won by 35. Now they're going to be refocused again. And uh, like he said, Martin Key is a key guy to come back on that defense, but the offense is good enough. And I think Darius Geis, again, is going to be one of the top running backs in the country when it's all said and done at the end of the year. Good stuff. Good stuff.
1: LSU, we got both of them with on LSU, but not a double lean. A double lean is when they both have a clear lean, and we're going to have three of those coming up. Two more, though, of the big back games. Next up, we got Stanford, and they're playing San Diego State. Stanford favored by nine and a half. Hey, we, we, we celebrate when we're right, Brad, and we look square in the eye when we're wrong because that's the only way to learn. You were high on Stanford. What did you see happen in that USC game?
2: Well, the shocking thing to me was them allowing over 300 rushing yards, the most they've ever allowed under a David Shaw team. That was the thing I didn't think was possible, at least heading into that matchup. Happy that I was with the late steam. I got a plus seven, closed at like three and a half. So I wasn't the only one out there that was buying Stanford.
1: So just to be clear, yeah, is in the long term, if you get the best of the number, meaning you bet, and then the late action pushes the number where your number is better than what you could get at kickoff, that's a great sign, beating the closing line. Now, the wise guys will debate, and we could do in the offseason a whole podcast about this. Wise guys will debate how predictive that is because you'll hear guys three quarters of a way through a football season say, well, I'm 49 percent, but uh, I beat the closing line. And it's like at a certain point, you know, when and it's all about sample size, right? Because the theory is there's just not enough sample size. And thus once you have more sample size, beating that closing line is going to lead to profitability. So you're mentioning that saying, hey, you were on the side with the professionals. You got a better number than some pros that it. And does you feel good about that in the long run? Agreed, but also agree we got to learn from the game itself. And for you, it was the rushing defense. And that's an inch with Stanford that surprised you. It was underperformed.
2: Yeah, vastly underperformed. How
1: much of that was USC pl- playing better than you thought? And how much of that was Stanford playing worse than you thought?
2: Uh, I would say 60-40 USC actually playing better. I mean the, the USC played an A++ game. The USC uh, expert here says it's one of the best games you've seen, probably the best game since the Pete Carroll era. So same
1: question you can, how much of Stanford's underperformance was their fault versus USC? their to their benefit
3: yeah i'd say about 30 percent was stanford's fault because they had the running game going early with bryce love and sc's front four i mean i have not seen their front four make adjustments and shut down not only the run but put pressure on christ i mean they did blitzing packages they were they just kept Krista and the the offense off balance. Again, that's a complete game. And when you find two receivers and when you find an extra running back, because Ronald Jones, I, I really didn't know Carr was this good. I mean, this kid's fabulous, this freshman. All right, so give me the handicap on this game, Brett.
2: Well, as concerned as I was about that rush defense – I have some concerns this week. They're going up against a good power rush attack in San Diego State, but I expect a very motivated Stanford defense coming off of one of the worst performances we've seen in the last 10 years. So I'm going to lean towards the under in this game. Two teams that play very slow tempo. Uh, they're both going to run the football, grind it out. San Diego State's defense shut down Arizona State last week. I think they can similarly shut down Stanford this week.
1: What number are you seeing on the total?
2: Uh, it's low, 46.5-47, but uh, I would still lean under there. I love this
1: handicap. You've got a a disciplined team that underperformed on the defensive side, playing a team they should be able to physically manhandle. When you're favored by almost 10 on the road, you're better physically. And thus, it's about
3: motivation. We should have max motivation on defense. Absolutely. Ken, your handicap. Yeah, picture these two teams coming back to practice on Monday or even maybe Sunday if, uh, you know, for Stanford, they had to travel back from the Coliseum, so probably Monday – And all of a sudden you're going in, you just lost. You didn't just lose. You just got your doors blown off in the second half by a a rival that you've handled six of the last seven years. And that was a conference game. Now you're playing a non-conference game against a team that just, like he said, played another Pac-12 team, Arizona State, a team that really doesn't. Uh, you know, present much of a problem on the lines of scrimmage. San Diego State's a very physical team out of the Mountain West, and Rashard Penny's one of the better running backs. You think about Donnell Pumphrey going on to the next level. Well, they replaced him with a guy that may be even better all around back. He may not be get as many yards as Pumphrey did when it's all said and done. But this guy is an excellent receiver out of the backfield, and they've got Chapman, a good solid quarterback. Their defense is good enough. I think when you if you get nine and a half, and you buy this up to ten, I think if you get San Diego State at home. With- with double digits, you're looking fat. And remember the community of San Diego, they don't have the Chargers anymore. So San Diego State, they're a standalone team there. They're going to get more backing in the crowd in the stands than they have before.
1: That's Ken Thompson. Brad Powers is also to my right. Wise guy roundtable. I'm RJ Bell. We got one more of the big bat games and then three double leans and then two best bets. Woo dog. Okay. This one Always on the big bet list. It's Alabama is like the Taylor Swift. If Taylor cuts her hair, people are talking about it. If she doesn't <laughs> cut it. They're talking about it. If Alabama is a big favorite, they're talking about a small favorite. Well, they're hardly ever an underdog. It's hundred games now, only a dog once. And now this is 101, only a dog once. Alabama favored by 28 and a half. Colorado
2: State. Yeah, I'm I'm going to lay it with Alabama and take them to cover this number. I like the fact that we got their subpar performance, their lackadaisical performance last week out of the way against Fresno State, where they didn't cover a large number. They're coming off the very physical game against Florida State. Now it's time to refocus for them. They're a little bit healthier at the linebacker spot, and I'm very concerned about Colorado State's defense uh, in this one. If you're giving up uh, yards against Oregon State, who hasn't looked that good, Colorado really manhandled them physically. I think Alabama rolls here. I'm going to roll with the tie. Minus 28 and a half as a, a slight lean. All
1: right, so a small lean, Alabama. And as Brad did in the last game, we're allowing our wise guys one total a week amongst the big games. And that way is you're get pretty much getting a total they really like because they only get to fire one of the total bullets. We know most you guys would rather bet the sides, but you know one is perfect because if you want to dabble in totals, here we are. And Brad, by the way, one of the best totals players, I think, in the country, and and I say that sincerely. Anyone that listens to me over the long term knows I'm not much for hyperbole or over-exaggeration. I think as an industry, it's important not to do that, right? The classic, you could still look up the Stu Finer videos, and he's screaming, sell the house, sell the car, sell the kids, and bet this game. No. A coin flip from a baby who got, maybe they gave him a little whiskey on his bottle did sue them you know how that used to happen Ken? is not to you but in the world oh, it definitely happened to me <laughs> yeah, it happened to me but <laughs> well, there you go is that baby hits 50 percent and brad your goal is 55 it's one uh out of what 20 games is the difference that's what we're going for and with the totals excellent stuff from brad and you actually have started off pretty hot and college
2: yeah, I have uh, back-to-back winning weeks, uh, a couple of big play winners, Vanderbilt week one, Georgia week two, and then totals. Louisville, North Carolina was a game that wasn't priced. Hint, hint, Louisville's defense isn't that good, going to give up a lot of points this week against Clemson. I want to fire that one one and, more time at Ken.
3: And Ken, how how how's your start been? It's been good in the William Hill contest, college contest. I'm six and one right now, so that's uh, you know always like that. I, I've got a partner though, and and uh, four of those plays and, were and mine. you got I your ended pregame, one.
1: You got your pregame premium stuff. Pre, so right. got, so each week, guys, we're going to start something new here too. We're going to give a coupon out, and this is going to be something that is college football related, and it's going to be a way for you to get the. And again, obviously, these guys aren't holding anything back, but we're going over the top dozen or so games. There's you know, many, many more games out there. And those best bets are the ones these guys are taking off the rubber bands and making their biggest bets on. So here's the coupon code CFB dream 10. So it's all caps and the 10 is a one and a zero, not spelled out one and zero, two numbers. So CFB for college football dream D R E A M 10. And you get $10 off anything you want. In college football, that expires on Saturday. So you can buy something early, buy something game day. And obviously, Brad and Ken would be, I think, one of the first places you guys look.
3: All right, Ken. So you have a total on this one. Yeah, I got a total. I like it over. I just like the way, first off, uh, that Colorado State did move the ball in the second half against Oregon State. Now, they did only put up three points against Colorado, but what are they going to be working on? Offensively, they're going to be working. I watched the game back. They moved the ball on Colorado. They just shot themselves in the foot several times. It was a rivalry game. This game was made when McIlwain was the coach there for Colorado State, a former Alabama offensive coordinator who, of course, is now at Florida. So that's why you have the back-to-back uh, Mountain West teams going into Tuscaloosa. But Stevens is a, is a high-thrown quarterback. Virgil, the quarterback for Fresno State, who's not a great passer, threw for 180 yards and a touchdown against Bama last week. And I'm thinking Stevens is going to be able to move the ball. How motivated is Alabama getting back-to-back Mountain West teams? Not really. They know they can go at it You know, three-quarter throttle and win by you know twenty five thirty points. But this type of offensive set for uh, Colorado State it's gonna be able to, they're gonna be able to throw the ball again, very thin linebacking Uh, core right now for Alabama, which is great because that means after that first tier that Steven's probably going to be able to get away with playing against lesser athletes for Alabama. Again, those are still four-star guys, you know, and Colorado State would love to have a few of those, but they're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to trade some scores. Alabama's still probably going to win by 21 to 24 points, but I'm looking Bama somewhere in the neighborhood of 42-27, somewhere in that neighborhood, 42-24. And what number are you seeing on the total? The uh, you know what I I, I was going to get yeah an it's relatively in, get an update yeah
2: update in the mid 50s so yeah relatively it, it, low. it was
3: it was I, I thought it was like around fifty three and, and and again I, I I may be wrong but this was one that I looked at I said this game's going to have more points than I initially saw uh, the total so I, I have not seen the adjustment against it's Tuesday okay. so I have not seen if it's gone up or down we're
1: taping on Tuesday over for Ken that's his one Alabama or I'm sorry his one total okay guys shifting gears. It's the double leans. We got three of them, and then two best bets. So these are probably the five games coming up that these guys like the best. That there's the most consensus on. We're going to start with the biggest line move of the week. Oklahoma State opened up ten against Pitt, lines up to thirteen and a half. Amongst the it big, is, it is fifty three and a half. Fifty three and a half. So sure. Ken, your memory's right. good. Fifty three and a half on that total. And this game, Oklahoma State, has gone from 10 to 13 and a half. You guys both have clear leans on it. Brad, start off.
2: Clear lean on Pittsburgh in their largest home underdog role since 2001 when they're playing one of those highly talented Miami teams. Here's why I like Pittsburgh. Last week's game against Penn State, which they covered and broke Penn State's 10-game ATS winning streak, should have been a lot closer than the final. They actually outgained Penn State. They had a couple of turnovers that set up short fields for Penn State. They had a safety that set up a short field score for Penn State. I like that they were able to run the offense. They, what, ran 24 more plays than Penn State did in the game. That was a misleading final. I think a lot of people are looking back to week one where they almost lost at home to Youngstown State. It's a game that they're up 21 nothing. kind of let the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. And I also, I don't like the situation here for Oklahoma State played a couple of tomato cans in Tulsa and South Alabama, back-to-back long travel for him, going to South Alabama, rare trip to a Sunbelt team last week, now coming back home and now going back east to Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh here plus the points.
3: Yeah, I I definitely like Pittsburgh plus the points. If you watch the game with Pittsburgh, Penn State, Pittsburgh's got a lot of athletes. There's no doubt about it. One guy they had trouble was with Sharif Miller, who had two and a half sacks in that game. And that was the problem. But Pittsburgh has a senior-laden offensive line. Again, Max Brown's first game start on the road, a whiteout in Happy Valley. And they hung in there. They were right there. They made some plays. Look, they held McSorley to 165 yards. They held Saquon Barkley, one of the top runners in the country, to 88 yards on the ground. You do that, you're going to cover a game there in Happy Valley. And they did cover. They didn't get the win, but I think Max Brown cuts down on a couple turnovers. Pittsburgh, again, against this defense, should be able to move the ball when they get inside the red zone. I think Pittsburgh, not only do I think Pittsburgh has a chance to cover this game, I will say that I think Pittsburgh can win this football game straight up against a good, solid Oklahoma State team that is now going to be away, like he said, from Stillwater two weeks in a row. And again, the Big 12, they're going to have to prove that they can go on the road to environments like Pitt and come away with the outright W. We'll see if Rudolph can get help because Washington's been solid receiving, but McCleskey's been nowhere to be found. And if they don't get him on the same page, that takes one big weapon that we preseason wise looked at for Mason Rudolph, and that'll hurt him. Okay, guys. So, a couple things.
1: One, clear lean Pittsburgh from Ken, clear lean Pittsburgh from Brad. That's why it's a double lean. But I want to clarify what Ken said because I think it's fascinating. So let's just say this line should be 11, right? Does that sound right, Brad? Yeah. I mean, because it's not going to be off that. If you're off two and a half points, now those aren't key numbers. So maybe it's 10 and a half, but in that range. So even though Pitt is the pick, Okie state is going to win a, a vast majority of these games. Even if the, if the true line, if God made a line, it would be 10 and a half, let's say. So, When Ken says, hey, they can win, he's saying a couple things. If you are getting a couple extra points where you're getting a money line payoff where on a 13-and-a-half point dog, but the line should only be 10-and-a-half, well, the idea of a little bit on the money line makes a little sense, especially if you love the thrill of a potential big payoff. But there's another time to bet the money line. And I'm going to ask you, Ken, if this is one of those, is if you think it's a high-variance game. Now, what's a high-variance game? That's a game where you could see Okie State covering because even if you're right, you're going to cover 45% of the time. But you think that they could win by 30 if X and Y happens. And I'm not saying that's the case here. I'm just speaking hypothetically. But you also could envision Pittsburgh having a better chance to win because if, if A and B happens, they might end up exceeding expectation by more than 13.5, which would mean they win the game. Some games like Steelers-Baltimore in the NFL, those are low-variance game because the defense is so tough. You know the motivation is there. Usually the factors that vary a game are going to be turnovers and, and less things. When you have a game potentially where, hey, if they can't stop the option, it might be 63 nothing. that means you can look to play. Well, here's the thing. If you think the underdog has a chance to be high-variance, you want to play the money line. If you think the favorite has a high chance – of high variance where you want to avoid ever laying the money line, right? So as you look at this game, is this simply because you think Pitt is going to be in it? Or do you think this is that you mentioned the money line, or do you think this is a high variance
3: game? I think it's because Pittsburgh's going to be able to control the clock like they did against Penn state. In other words, if you keep Oklahoma state's offense on the sidelines, they're not going to burn you. I think, Pitt's going to do similarly to what they did against Penn State and have the ball for two-thirds of the game. They mix it up well. Again, they shot themselves in the foot. They had a chance to actually, you know, be within a touchdown of Penn State in that game at Happy Valley. And again, I, I Mason Rudolph's solid. The Oklahoma State offense is solid. But I saw some chinks in the armor when they played at home against Tulsa, who's not a great team, but uh, they were fortunate to win as decisively as they did. And I just think Pittsburgh is going to control the clock and they're going to balance things. The crowd's going to be into it. All right, so it sounds like lower scoring. So do we consider... Well, you want to to be lower scoring. When you're playing a shootout team like Oklahoma State, they want to go up and down the field all day. So, Brad, do you agree with
1: that? And if so, do we consider a correlated parlay that if Pitt covers, then you look to play Pitt in the under?
2: No question. Correlation. If you're liking Pittsburgh, you like the under. You want them to dictate the tempo like they did last week, 38 uh, minutes of time of possession.
1: That's the first double lean. There's two more to go. Let's do it. Notre Dame. Is it Notre Dame or Notre Dame?
2: Notre Dame.
1: See, everyone, I used to think I was getting advanced by saying Notre Dame, and then I listen on TV and everyone saying Notre Dame.
3: Yeah, I think, you can, I, I think you can get away with both of them, and uh, you know what? I'd like to find that out. I think we should do that this week. Call the university. You got a little
1: homework with Ken yeah. with all his connections. Okay, so I'm going to start with Ken on this one. We've got a double lean. It's Boston College, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, 13 and a half for the Fighting Irish.
3: Yeah, here's the thing. Notre Dame's going to have a letdown going to Chestnut Hill. Look, it's a battle of the Catholic schools. It's a rivalry. But because Boston College is never really relevant as far as winning more than three, four games a year over the past decade, it's not that big of a deal for Notre Dame. It is a huge deal for the people from Chestnut Hill and Boston College. So they'll be motivated. And then the way Notre Dame lost to Georgia, they put every ounce into that game to come off the bad season from last year, four and eight, and turn things around. And how do you do that? You beat a top SEC team. They had it by two. They lost it by one. It's even more misery for Notre Dame. And how did they get up for practice? Hey, guys, we're going to play Boston College this week. Too bad you lost to George at home. They're going to have trouble getting up for it. You're getting two touchdowns, nearly two touchdowns. I'd buy it up to 14 if you get 13 and a half and you sit fat. BC's covered six of the last seven in this series. 14, obviously one of the key
1: numbers in football, 3, 7, 10, 14, 17, 21. Okay, Brad, you were the one that predicted, and I was surprised at this prediction is very boldly predicted that Georgia would be almost like a takeover. Lawton didn't hear many people talk about it before, heard a lot of people talking about it on Monday. What did that tell you? And also Colin Cowherd today mentioned and remember i do a podcast with colin every saturday well we tape it friday release it saturday morning all you got to do is follow the herd on uh itunes or any of those uh apps for the podcast or obviously uh the herd now on twitter theHerdNow.com, is we go over his five nfl games and i do a wise guy grade on them every week during the season is we were talking about Uh, or he was talking about Notre Dame and how Kelly was super defensive. There was a lady reporter. He sniped back at her. And, man, if he's a good coach, and I think he is, you would think he's going to keep this team together after a tough loss. But maybe is there an avalanche that he's not going to be able to get out of the way of? I I agree with Ken's motivation. Do you think this is a team in turmoil, or is this a team that's going to be focused?
2: Uh, slight turmoil. He couldn't get the team to rally last year after several close losses. It had the same exact feel of the eight games they lost last year by a possession or less played out very similarly. So you got to prove it to me to, that you're going to change the culture. And as far as the, the Notre Dame fans, there's a, yeah, I'll connect it to the team. There's a lot of apathy around this program anymore. The fans, it's been 20, 25 years of three titles Yeah, seasons. but when
1: when you – I mean, it's been what, four years, five years since they won the national championship
2: game? Well, one year out of 25, you're yeah, using an true. outlier.
1: Every yeah. other year but they've at, lost for at least three or more games. Ohio State, Alabama, being in the national title
2: is an outlier. But they have not won a major bowl game, R.J., since 1993, a major bowl game, they haven't won one. We're talking about it. What at that time was the most prestigious program in the in the in the country?
1: Are you saying bring back Lou Holtz?
2: Well, no, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what as far and the downfall was a loss to Boston College, relaying it back to this game. Ken is absolutely right. They treat this as a rivalry, maybe their biggest rivalry. Notre Dame is just another game for them. Big reason why Boston College covers six of the last seven. And I'll throw in that Boston College game against Wake Forest. We're catching some value. They got beat by 24 last week against Wake Forest, but they were minus four turnovers. Yards were similar. So some hidden value in that box score last week.
1: All right. So what we got clear lean for Brad on Boston College. Clear lean for Ken. Thus, a double lean. One more double lean to go Tulane, Oklahoma. Now listen, I'm not one to be sanctimonious, but I think character matters. And when I look at this Oklahoma team, just causes you to wonder. That's all I'm going to say. It <laughs> could be a mad they beat Ohio State. I don't know.
3: Oklahoma now 34, 34 hosting Tulane. Ken, who do you like? I like Tulane here. I mean, uh, it's another uh, letdown situation, and Baker Mayfield with all that. Stabbing of the flag down there in the O and the Tom Foolery, kind of I think you, you could know. Call I mean, it's, it's just they don't need anything else but football to be focused on right now. Mayfield had his problems in the offseason, so he's and now
1: apologizing. He's, I heard, yeah, he's but coming yeah, yeah, in, you know, easy to
3: say that after, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's just you know, it was Bush League, he didn't have to do it. He ran around with the flag, he got away with it because most of the Ohio State kids were gone. But the ones that stayed around and saw somebody parading on their field look, you don't forget stuff like that, and a lot of times that karma comes back and burns you. I'm not saying Oklahoma's. Not going to be a team that I'll look to get to the playoff because I believe they and Oklahoma State will battle each other, and TCU is a dark horse there in the Big Twelve as well as, long, as well as West Virginia. So there's some teams there that are that are pretty good, but Oklahoma is going to have somewhat of a letdown. They'll still win this is game this by 25 simple, points. Is this as simple as it's a letdown. 20, that's it. That's it. They're going home, 25 point win. They probably get up by 30 and a little backdoor, you know, right around there. The next. Uh, again, they win the game handily, but it's it's a Tulane team that plays hard, that runs the ball well, that went into Navy and played darn close and, and actually uh, had a chance to beat the midshipmen. And you don't beat Kenny N- Niamat Loho in Annapolis unless you got a game plan, and Fritz had a game plan. And you don't say that name unless you're a professional broadcaster.
2: Brad? Yeah, it's not only a letdown factor, but also Tulane presents some matchup problems. They run a little bit of an option-style offense. Willie Fritz is maybe one of the best coaches you've never heard of in the entire country. He's won everywhere he's been, five different spots. And this is one you might want to, if you're waiting, say, uh, you know, you want to catch and wait for a 35, I don't think you're going to see a 35 because we saw some significant late game day action on Tulane last week against Navy, like three, four-point line move on game day. So this is one I, I wouldn't wait for 35 grab, it now I lean went with, with Tulane.
1: And we'll talk about this throughout the year, but late line moves are the truest line moves because you can't buy those back. And thus, oftentimes, a big syndicate – Will hold back to the very end and then show their hand. It doesn't hurt them in that game, but it does hurt them in a way because it's cueing the people like Brad that's following the market that, oh, this is a team the wise guys really like. And it causes Brad to take a
3: deeper look at them.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. And
3: Oklahoma only twelve and twelve is a double-digit favorite in the last twenty-four games. Okay. Recapping the double
1: double lanes. This game Tulane plus thirty-four. Boston College plus thirteen and a half and Pittsburgh, plus 13.5. They like the dogs. Okay, it's best bet time. Listen, best bets are valuable. These are the guys, of amongst these TV games, these are going to be bets that these guys actually are making in cash.
3: You have that guarantee of pregame. They are betting these games. Ken, we're going to start with you, your best bet of the week. Yeah, I'm going to go with Vanderbilt. I just like Derek Mason, what he's done there, and he was under the under the heat a little bit. Uh, so plus four against Kansas State. Kansas State, yeah. And, and I like Snyder. Snyder's got a good, solid, uh, disciplined team each and every year. But there's not a lot of speed on this team. Major advantage in the running game. Not only Ralph Webb, cari blasting game. You got a, a two-man team there. Uh, Shermer, a pretty good quarterback. I expect Vandy to score some points. Look, they put up a bunch of points on Middle Tennessee. Surprised me that they handled them on the road. Now they're at home. Kansas State's first road game. I think Vandy wins this game by seven to ten points. Oh, wow. Best bet. So what's your take on this game, Brad?
2: Yeah, I'm going to be looking, passing on the side. I I don't line up against uh, Bill Snyder too often. I can tell you that, RJ. That's not always a profitable.
1: Now, he is profitable in all situations since coming back, it seems. But uh, as an underdog,
2: more so than a favorite. Absolutely, as an underdog, more than as a favorite. I'm going to look to play the under. Two similar defensive, well-schooled teams won't make mistakes. Slower tempos. I'm going to play the under in that one.
1: Okay. So with Ken, follow him on Twitter. It's Sports X Radio. Ken has a local radio show on Katon, 50,000 watts at night. There's only a few of those in the country. Really, many, many years doing it. Very good stuff. And, and deep dives on that show, too. And as we said, Ken Thompson's very best bets up on pregame.com. Hi, Brad, best bet for the Dream Preview.
2: South Carolina minus six over Kentucky. Normally, I would not want to back a team that's been outgained their first two games, but yet have won on the scoreboard. But they've beaten the market by 35 points. And a lot of the reason why they've been outgained is they have an elite skill position player in kick return game. He's already got two kick return touchdowns, several other long ones. That hurts their offensive performance. I, there's a lot of juice going with the South Carolina program. They've already exceeded expectations. They're coming back home for their first home game. And I'm also not a fan of what I've seen data point-wise from Kentucky. Big-time struggles against Southern Miss and Eastern Kentucky, games that you know were much more closer than even the finals indicated, and they only won those two games by a combined eight points. Anything under a touchdown, obviously best bet material for me. I think South Carolina rolls and wins by double digits.
1: I've got a little insight here, um, and this is very broad but I think noteworthy um so uh mark stoops is a brother of the stoopses and i i know the stoopses uh a little bit and i know uh mark the best i went to his wedding in youngstown that was a scene and here's what i'll say about mark is no inside information here at all but he is a brilliant football mind but Diligence has never been his strongest suit. So my gut feeling, and I and Brad, if you want to look at this, I'd be fascinated for next week or next time Kentucky's got a big game. You know, just look in the Stoops tenure as a favorite, you know, or even as a bigger favorite and as a bigger dog, because if a, I would make a major bet, he has a better record as let's say a bigger dog, uh, and we could decide what bigger means—right six points or more, or whatever—and bigger favor. This is a team I think that would be flat in certain spots, almost like the Steelers. Which you would think with Tomlin it's supposed to be about discipline, but when they're a big you know, not that they're underdogs often, but when it's a competitive game, Pittsburgh plays well usually. When they're a bigger favorite, look to go the other way. I, I think Kentucky probably is like that now at six and a half. You know how focused are they they're going to be. I think I would think Focus yeah. as an underdog doesn't mean I don't like your play. Just means it's one factor to consider. So lastly, can. And, and by the way, before we get Ken's thoughts on this best bet from Brad, Brad Powers, we mentioned it once on Twitter, Brad Power 7 A lot of good stuff. His trend report, his power ratings, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The videos, all through his Twitter and also up at pregame.com. And here's the beauty up at pregame.com. You can connect before you bet. And that means you ask Brad a question, he's gonna answer it. Literally, you can ask him a question. And might take six or eight hours, but you're going to get that answer in the forums, and quite frankly, that's special. No other site – well, first off, no other site has the pros we do, but no other site that even tries to have these professional-level handicappers can you connect directly with them. You were with Phil Steele for about seven years. Did, was Phil answering on the forums?
2: Phil hasn't taken a phone call from a customer in probably 20 years, but he'll answer them on Twitter, but from a customer – Probably 20 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if you retweet them, yeah. it's better. Yes. All right, last thing is who do you like, Ken, in Kentucky, South
3: Carolina? I like South Carolina. I, I think it's a South Carolina team, although they have been outgamed in both their uh, first two games. They're a team that's able to come up with the right play at the right time. Uh, they were 8-14 on third down last week. That was key. And, you know, so Missouri ends up outgaining them. but That's because Missouri was playing catch-up. And 31-13, again, Muschamp's got this team believing – that they're better than maybe that they are. And now they get to go home and they look to go three and oh, and that'll shock everybody in Columbia. Great stuff guys. Next
1: week. Remember always out on Wednesday, early, early, like overnight on Wednesday, coming into the AM Wednesday for the dream preview college tomorrow on Thursdays. We'll be up with, or on Thursdays, probably a better way to say it up with the NFL edition with Steve Fezzik. And the bookmaker, Maddie Holt. We'll talk to you then.
0: Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.